Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined just by one player this week, but uh, a key man he is, uh, Samuel Lucas. Thank you. One man show. One man show. I'm not a sure. flea bag. Obviously not going to get as many good A West reviews. End show is on, on the horizon for you though, yeah. fear not. We'll have t- not. ticket details on their way soon. But uh, Samuel, we've had a, a lively start. We're recording this on the Friday. You've been at Solskjaer's press conference and it was a, quite a lively start to the morning when uh, reports in Norway suggested that Erling Haaland and his father were on their way to Manchester with a flight due to land just as Solskjaer was about to speak to the press. You asked Solskjaer about the stories this morning and uh, What's the truth about all the Harlander? I'll try and be as succinct as possible, but uh, like like Rachel in Friends, he didn't get on the plane. Uh, he, he was he was on a plane, but apparently it was a plane to Copenhagen rather than to Manchester. He is on the break, though, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There we go. It's just like skip. This, this is what this, this is, is the goal. People tune in for absolutely. I hope hope you've watched Friends. If not, yeah, you, you sure. Will. Yeah. Uh, so. He, he was at Stavanger Airport, was it, if I pronounce it incorrectly? Uh, apologies for that. He got on a plane, he went to Copenhagen, but the local paper um, in his hometown reports that he was flying to Manchester. That was picked up by um, one of the outlets over here. And I, I suppose from, from our... It, it, was a, it was beneficial for us that he had a press conference coming up. Otherwise, we'd have probably felt inclined to... We were certainly checking things anyway, but there's always this inclination, do you just do a story on it without properly checking it? Fortunately, we didn't do that. We we checked it. Solskjaer came in, and I think the trouble Solskjaer had, and the trouble we had, was that he sounded so unconvincing when he was talking about it. We, frankly, we thought he was fibbing because... He has he has some form for that with injury bulletins and Romelu Lukaku was apparently injured in the summer as well. And United were they, they had nothing to offer when we were speaking to uh, the relevant officials after the press conference and we thought they were playing dumb or, or just didn't know. But it's now transpired completely concrete, com- absolutely definite that Harland isn't in Manchester. Um I, my airport source who I flagged the the line with this morning they said they actually spoke to people on the flight and none of them most of them knew know who Erling Haaland is but said they didn't see him he wasn't on the plane so whether United and Erling Haaland come together like Rachel and Ross remains to be seen but he did not get on the plane to Manchester who knows it'll be a happy ending for him but uh, I guess for Samuel I mean when we talk about the fact is Haaland's not here we're calling this now on the Friday Haaland's not in Manchester but what do you think the likelihood is that he might end up being in Manchester in a month's time you know United are still bookmakers favourites to sign him there's still there is interest for United's part to sign him Uh, where do you stand on the matter I mean because there's lots of rumours he might go to the Bundesliga and that might suit him more he's got a lot of options open yeah um, I mean speaking to Jan Agafjotov earlier in the week who obviously knows Solskjaer is Norwegian 
there's Alfie Harland who of course is Erling Harland's father and he played in Germany so he's got good German contacts as well he's always felt as though uh, Harland would, would join a Bundesliga club uh, speaking to someone uh, who knows Erling Haaland earlier this week they say uh, they said to me Jan Arga plays his tricks and it was quite an ambiguous statement so I don't know whether they were just playing along or what have you sometimes when you're speaking to people when, when there's when a transfer is about to happen or could happen it, they, they decide to talk in riddles the fact that Marcel uh, Boot, uh, United's head of global scouting, went out to watch Haaland last week. The fact that Solskjaer went out to Salzburg to meet Haaland's representatives last week it, it suggests that there's a very good possibility he could become a United player in January. And Solskjaer could have killed it last week when he was asked about his trip to Salzburg. But the way he said, "I know what I know what Erling's going to do and what he needs to do." Um, although that also is ambiguous, I think a lot of people interpreted that as Haaland's coming to United, which he might do, but he might not do it. So it's 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 about as clear as mud, um, especially with the whole uh, the the flight manifesto. I mean, last week you had the, the flight logs being checked about the plane that went from Manchester to to Salzburg and what have you. I think I think Red Bull Salzburg are probably briefing it seems to me that Haaland United that United are the favourites I think that's partly to maybe whip up an auction I don't think anybody's quite nailed whether this reputed release clause actually exists or whether it's just an urban myth well that's the irony is because fans that don't know some outlets are saying he could be available for 20 million others are saying United are confident of a 76 million pound exactly, deal exactly exactly if, really... if there's no release clause then given by virtue of the length of his contract uh, Red Bull Salzburg's history of selling players for uh, obtaining high fees for, for good players like uh, Naby Keita and, and Sadio Mane the fact that Haaland's 19 the fact United are interested you, you do start to it, it can't be that far off um, nine figures as mad as it sounds particularly his goal scoring on top of it but 70 million does, does seem a more realistic figure uh, but it just depends on whether this release clause exists or not. I think given the amount of competition and given how hot United seemed to be for him last week, that suggests that there is a release clause because otherwise, Borussia Dortmund, are they going to pay 70-odd million pounds for a player? I, I really can't see that happening. If they do, then I think a lot of people would be very surprised. So it's it's one that's probably likely to go on and on and the fact that he signed the United shirt in, in Bern at the start of the week obviously that fanned the flames a little bit more as well I guess the final question for you on Haaland Samuel is if the I mean from your point of view do you think he's the, the player United need in January we know how United are with transfers and I guess maybe many fans would realise that maybe one or two is what you can realistically hope for um, maybe one at, at best really but do you think he's the player who can give United that extra firepower and be the difference maker for this top four challenge? No. They they need a midfielder or a playmaker. Um, those those have to be the two priorities. They they want a midfielder in the summer, they didn't get one. I can completely understand why they were looking at they are looking at Haaland because they probably do need two forwards, you'd imagine, if you to count a playmaker as a forward. Uh, with, with Marcel Boot or Bout, however you pronounce it. Um, he's the only survivor from Louis van Gaal's backroom staff and um, when it was put to the club back in October as to why he's still around when there are a lot of issues taken with the recruitment under van Gaal which Boot assisted van Gaal with um, United communicated that he, he has a, a certain niche which is pretty much young players 
and is also Dutch players. And of course, Haaland is 19. Um, unfortunately for Marcel Boot, he, he's such a you know conspicuous figure. If you ever see him at a game with his white Lothario hair, you can't really miss him. So he's not one of these scouts who can just hover under the radar. He's, he's quite recognisable. But from United's perspective, an ideal signing like someone like James Madison it's just unattainable in January I don't think from their perspective trying to do business like that is not as beneficial as effectively taking their time get it done in the summer which is always the preferable time to sign a player in Haaland's case he is available it seems uh, there's every chance that he's played his last game for Salzburg because they've got a two month winter break as well so maybe Salzburg feels he's just got to get this one box off and it's it's just because of the op- the opportunity has, has arisen and in fairness if, if he is available for 20 million for all the reservations you have about him given that he's only 19 he's he's plundered a lot of goals this season but in Austria at that fee it's worth a pun. It's a free hit. It's a little bit like with Daniel James uh, in that United paid up to eighteen million pounds for him, and already he's he's a fifteen he's a fifty million pound player, maybe more. I think if if Haaland were to come, it'd cost about a million pounds more than Diogo Dallo. So it makes sense in that in that sense. But the, the issues are elsewhere in the squad, and Solskjaer's is aware of that as well. He said that he's talked about them needing two or three starters and obviously a playmaker and a midfielder two areas that they want to reinforce the two areas they need but availability is an issue in January and that and, and United's stance on that really hasn't changed very much from two or three years ago when Mourinho was manager as well so uh, if, if they don't sign someone I think it would have been negligent but they're of the opinion that you, there's no point just going out there and signing any old player and I completely get that as well because they have done that in the past and it's not it's not been thought through enough, enough, and uh, they feel as though their recruitment process, they've, they've kind of nailed it pretty much. You mentioned there, Samuel, that Erling Haaland may have played his last game for Salzburg, and the reports they suggested Paul Pogba might have played his last <laughs> game for United. Uh, MUTV even joked today after the press conference, they might as well just retitle it the Ole and Pogba show, because that's all that's ever concurrent in there. Was that a week. former player joking about it? It was Stuart Gardner, I believe, Oh, actually. really? Yeah. Oh. But um, Paul Pogba's uh, speculation continues. Solskjaer insisted today that he's not for sale in January, so there's no way he's going to live. He's going to leave the club. Um, where do you stand on the Paul Pogba situation? I know lots of fans maybe are changing their tune on him because he has been a crucial player, particularly under Solskjaer. But the time he's had off now, two and a half months, it does seem that unlikely maybe that we'll see him again play this year. It seems to be every week that is. Returned, it gets pushed further and further back. What, what do you think is going to happen with Paul Pogba? And what is the latest with his situation? I think really they they need to get rid of him in the summer because he's a destabilising influence. Because he wants to leave, because his resale value is is dwindling. It's dwindled a lot already from the summer because he's only played six games, and he's he's taking the taking the Mickey. He, there's a better word to use uh, for that phrase, but he is. He had permission to go to his brother's wedding last Friday. Fine, no problem whatsoever. Unfortunately for him, well, not for him, because I, I, I genuinely don't think he actually cares about the grief he gets from yeah. going off and to a wedding or anything like that. But unfortunately for Solskjaer and United, it is not a good look when the, the figurehead of the club, the manager at half past five on Sunday says, Paul has been, quote, struck down ill now. 
And then five hours later, Pogba is on Instagram posting clips looking in great shape. I mean, his, his dancing moves are, are fantastic. He's got great dancing rhythm, but he's got no playing rhythm. And he's been out for pretty much the best part of four months. Uh, got injured on the 31st of August and he's only played twice since then. And Solskjaer said today as well, having previously said that he would come back in December, that there was now no guarantee that he would play before the end of the year. As I said, he had permission to go to the wedding. He's teetotal, he doesn't drink, so it's not like a footballer's gone off and got absolutely leathered and come back in an appalling state. But it just does not look good when you're recovering from an ankle injury, you go away again, you come back and you're now ill. Um, he's been to he's been to Dubai. He's been to Miami. People at the club were quite concerned about some of his exercises in Dubai that he was posting. They thought he was putting too much pressure on his ankle. Two years ago, when he was doing additional fit, uh, fitness work, he was putting pressure on his hamstring. That caused him to be out for two months, and Mourinho went ballistic over it. So he's got form for that, unfortunately. The difference between then and now is that two years ago. A fit and available Pogba was the difference between United being title challenges. When he was out for that two-month spell, they dropped points. I think within a three or four-week period, the Anfield nil-nil, two-one defeat at Huddersfield, and then the one-nil defeat at Chelsea, and they go from level on points with City to going eight points behind City. And then, of course, he was suspended for the derby uh, in December a couple of years ago. City win that, go left points clear and the title race is, is, is over and United's challenge has ended. It's not entirely his fault that United are worse now, um, but he's just not as massively missed as he was back then. He is still the best footballer on that team. He's the most talented player in that, in that squad. I don't think anybody would dispute that, but you are not coming away from many games thinking... Pogba would have been the difference maker today if he was fit and it's United's good fortune in a way that their succession plan in midfield has kind of started already with McTominay and Fred doing well there are games when their limitations are still exposed I think the Everton game was was a relevant reminder of that and a relevant reminder that United when it comes to replacing Pogba they can't get away with doing a Daniel James and just looking to the championship like for a, well, like a Sean Longstaff type player you're going to need someone established a really good player to come into that role there someone who can dictate the game and as I've said before I don't blame Pogba for wanting to leave United are in the Europa League they might be in the Europa League again next season he's won the World Cup he wants to go to Real Madrid his wife um, is from Bolivia Spanish speaker he's always wanted to play in Spain makes perfect sense but I think what has possibly exacerbated it has been the way United have indulged him. And as we saw in the summer with Romelu Lukaku, every press conference was, is he fit? No, he's injured. Solskjaer was asked that today, wasn't he? Yeah. He was asked specifically it, it was, yeah. with reference to the... Yeah, J- James Robson referred to the Lukaku thing. Yeah. And I guess you, you've mentioned Paul Pogba's a World Cup winner. You've got the Euros next summer. Do you think there's pressure from his parting from his side that he wants to move in January do you think that he's going to look for a move because obviously United's stance is clear why would they want to sell the most talented outfield player someone who's got to be a free figure fee sort of mm-hmm. you know they need to recoup what they paid for him and that was astronomical at the time but from his point of view you know he's got six months to obviously he's one of France's best players as well but he needs to be playing he does consistently and to be back to top form if he's got any chance of making a difference with France next summer surely uh, absolutely if, if Raiola had his way he would move him on because he's, he's kind of behind schedule now and that he was going to try and get Pogba a move 
in the summer and it didn't materialise. I think he overestimates himself there. I mean, however much... I mean, Pogba didn't agitate too much. He did. He made it clear that he wanted to leave. He said so himself. He was looking for... He wanted a new challenge. It was time for a new challenge. But I don't think there's a club out there like Real Madrid that would spend £150 million in January um, after spending, I mean, what was it, well in excess of €200 million Euros in the summer on players. It, it just seems unrealistic that it would happen in January. I think the only nine-figure um, deal that's gonna that's happened in a winter window was Philippe Coutinho. And that was, I mean, that was teed up from the summer because he wanted to go there. Alexis Sanchez was a big move at that time as well, but because of the contract situation, it was just a swap deal. So there are big moves that happen in January. But I think from United's perspective, Pogba's perspective, and even Real Madrid's perspective, it just works out more conveniently if they do it in the summer, purely because United don't need the hassle at the moment. Um, Real Madrid, do they? Do they? Yeah, they, they could certainly do with him, but is it going to make a big difference over the next six months? Um, I, th- I think Zidane would make the case for that. I suspect Florentino Perez would be happy to wait until the summer. And Perez does have a pretty good relationship with, with Ed Woodward as well. So um, j- just because of Pogba's contract situation there, I know he's effectively got two and a half years left if you factor in the plus one uh, that United have the option on. But when you get down to two years left on your contract, that's when the power is with the player rather than the club. And as I said, I think that's why they've got to go and, and just sell him in the summer. Another two players who potentially could leave next year, Chong and Gomez. You asked Solskjaer specifically about these two uh, today. Uh, Samuel and Oli said that they were both uh, Manchester United men around those lines. He said they were the type of players that he wants at the club and he's, he's keen to keep them both. But uh, what do you understand is happening with Chong and Gomez? It seems like the response has been different from them since Chong was out of the team. He's come back and played really well for the reserves, whereas Gomez hasn't featured despite... Uh, well, Solskjaer says he's... Ha- had an illness lately yeah and I kind of knew when I had a a quick look at my replies to the tweet what uh, fans would be saying and it was it was as expected I mean for someone to be ill for three weeks I think he said he's been ill for three weeks he's had a bad ankle and when you read it in black and white it looks like he's suggesting an ankle injury is an illness but it, it was hard to it's hard to believe it. Well, he's trained, doesn't he? As well, he, he trained. That that's the problem. He was at open training uh, last Wednesday, uh, the day before the, the Partizan Belgrade game. I think Gomez's passive aggressive activity on Instagram have, have pretty much confirmed what his his side think of what's going on. Uh, I, I did the story on Thursday that effectively they were unimpressed with United's contract offer. Uh, they have reservations about uh, the direction of the club, the standard of the club as well. Um, Chong obviously is playing at the moment and I think he came on in the Outmar game, didn't come on against Colchester, but he was on the bench and was playing in the under-23s as well. But Gomez wasn't even in the under twenty three squad on Monday night, which seemed pretty damning as well. Both of them can negotiate with overseas clubs in, in January because they're out of contract in June. Um, I mean, I was I was told back in September that Gomez's camp were were pessimistic about the prospect of him resigning with United, and I think if anything, they're more pessimistic now than they were then. It would be a shame for United. He's he's an academy graduate, Salford raised. You've seen the pictures of him at Carrington with Nani and Ronaldo in 
2007 when he was probably six, six or seven or something like that. Uh, but it, if, if, he, if he wants to go, then, then, then he'll go. And I don't think necessarily with with him or Chong, either of them are a case of poor Pogba Mark II. Uh, I mean, the way Pogba was treated in 2012 was pretty shabby by Ferguson and uh, they really did drop a clangor with that one. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see how their futures pan out. But uh, you mentioned there the Europa League and it seems an eternity ago that the Europa League draw was made on Monday. United Club Bruges home and away should be a nice trip for you. But the teaser today, Samuel, Yes. United have only played Club Bruges twice before they were in Europe, uh, Champions League qualifiers and after the break I want you to name the United starting 11 when they beat them at home we'll be back okay. after the break hello and welcome back to the Manchester is Red podcast from Manchester News just before the break I left Samuel with a teaser question another tedious teaser from us of to name the United squad when they last played Club Bruges at home that was a 2015 Champions League qualifier United won the game but who was in the squad that so day? So it's the 18 players in the squad, right. Well, okay. actually, no, we'll, we'll, we'll do 11 and the three subs. Okay. There we go. There's a compromise. Romero. Romero and goal. Darmian. Darmian in defence. Smalling. Smalling in defence. Blind. Correct. Shaw. Correct. Five out of five. Carrick. Correct. Schneidlin. Correct. <laughs> seven out of seven. He's flying Memphis for these. Depay. Yes. Uh, who else was Rooney. There? Yes. Two more attackers. Yanazai. One more attacker. Matter. He's done it. 11 out of 11. <laughs> you say, when I asked you that question... I, and, and you can both confirm I didn't check my phone there either. But I don't know whether that's something to be proud of. No. Knowing if, if you get the free subs, I'm really worried for you. Well, Fellaini came on and scored. Yeah. Sam Johnston. He was on the bench. Unused. Yeah. Uh, oh, the three subs who came on. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Uh, you've got one. Yeah. Lane came on and scored. The fact you've got Sam Matter. Johnston is terrifying. <laughs> How Matter. did you... I, I, no, I, I was covering United at that time, so it, it's kind of... Oh, we really should have made this more difficult. Uh, Matter and Young. Schweinsteiger and Hernandez. Oh, Schweinsteiger. How could we forget? What a man is. Are you looking forward to those Europa ties? Bruges is beautiful uh, from from a purely touristic perspective. The the ground's pretty good as well, quite atmospheric, very um, old style European. Uh, it's it's quite a bit out of the way from the real hub of of, of the city, but the, the city is fantastic. If anyone's seen In Bruges, uh, which is which is a brilliant film, then that sells it very well. And it's yeah, it's very picturesque. We went up the um, I think we went up the Belfry, a few of us as well, and got got the great view from there and as we were coming down um, a tourist who was on their way up was clutching to the rope and, and really 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 quite struggling but it looked like they were clinging on for dear life rather than <laughs> clinging on to a rope to help their way help them on their way up to uh, the top of the tower I mean, that shouldn't be clinging on for dear life hopefully when they you get to Bruges thought so, no, uh, the other cup draw this week as well Carabao Cup two more Manchester derbies to look forward yes. to uh, yeah we're all uh, delighted about that weren't we from my point of view, I think that's the most favourable draw in a weird way. I can see where you're coming from because of the big game now. So Villa, the only side they haven't beaten out of those three this season, beating Leicester. Leicester, yeah. yeah um, I, fa- I think I fancy United over two legs. I, th- I think United will fancy themselves. I think particularly because United well. will mo- will play a strong side, and you can imagine yes. City will rotate more as well. Yeah, it's it's probably still a game that Guardiola will start some like Phil Foden in, which. However much it weakens City, he's he's still a brilliant player who, if anything, 
Cardio Bravo as well, probably. Starting goal. in Manchester Derby, that that might um, give give Foden another shot of adrenaline to really really perform. Uh, it's it's good. It's great from our perspective having two derbies in Manchester covering it. Uh, that and ten years on from the, the two-legged semi-final in 2010, which was just uh, yeah, a couple of humdinger of two humdingers. Those games you had the Gary Neville Carlos Tevez dispute. There was the Tevez celebration when he cupped his ears. Uh, Craig Bellamy giving it as he always did in any game, just Love giving Craig it quite Bellamy. large, but then getting pelted by missiles uh, by, by United supporters which not, not condemning sorry not condoning at all condemning and then of course United had that that last minute winner I think they had three last minute winners against City that season you had the Owen game the Rooney game the Skulls game so I think in terms of the Manchester Derby's recent history that was quite a significant season it was City's first season after the, the takeover they'd kind of like settled down they'd become more familiar with the direction they were going in they spent an awful lot of money in the summer and obviously Tevez going across uh, from United to City that was that was a huge story as well at the time so if the atmospheres can be like those games that would be great I think Chris Laser was um, reminiscing about it and he said that I, I, I mean, some sports might not remember it because of their age or what have you but before the first game at the Etihad they turned the lights off completely because they were flashing a blue moon to really get the atmosphere yeah. going Both were they on one of them was on terrestrial were, TV, weren't they? That they were, the yeah. Then. Back back then, uh, the BBC, I think, in that season, they, they got one showed, of each semi, didn't they? They did. They had um, the first leg on on television, and they showed the final. And when the blue moon came out, a red flare came out, and visually it looked so so striking. But uh, Chris was saying how you know, just the shit, the pure darkness, really did make for a nasty atmosphere because nobody could actually see what the hell was going on. And I guess uh, this is like two old men in a pub talking that but when we talk about light shows and stuff surely it is better just to go into pure darkness do you know what I mean to, to build the atmosphere <laughs> yeah, and yeah. make it more exciting and more terrifying as well for you know because you want the derby to be you want to scare United in the tunnel don't you make it pitch black make yeah. it a hostile environment it's a bit difficult now with the tunnel club and everyone's just taking pictures yeah. of you rather than you know spitting at you or trying to you know raining down vitriol on you but well I'd love to see someone try to spit through the tunnel club glass yeah, yeah. not sure how that would work you, you do get some uh, pretty um, uh, fiery characters around those hospitality seats I mean I, I remember in the Pogba game when they came back at 1-3-2 a guy as, as defeat as they were homing in on defeat City just started punching the seat in front of him and of course you had the video of Paul Lake getting ahead of himself at half time <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what you want to see uh, in a derby and I guess as well after the scenes of the last derby it'd be good if the uh, football does the talking and, and takes the headlines as well over these two uh, yeah absolutely I thought the, the last the last derby as, a, an, as an actual game of football was excellent I thought it was a really really good contest um, Solskjaer he, in, he said in the week um, you know kind of like tempered expectations but a little bit because he said the first 10 minutes he was thinking you know we really need to hang on here because it wasn't Certainly that first 10 minutes, United weren't too dominant. They had the Daniel James chance, but it was quite even that first bit of it and Sterling got past Wan-Bissaka once. Uh, so he's at least he's not getting ahead of himself. That said, I think the way United celebrated the win that game, I remember Mourinho said it a couple of seasons ago after they came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2. He, he said he made a point of not going over to the fans and revelling in the celebration at all. Um and, and he'd said that because a week later they lost against West Brom and of course a week after the recent derby United drew against Everton it's 
it's back to square one. But of course, in, in terms of the the incident that happened with with Fred and Jesse Lingard, um, I think it's good that obviously Sissy and the authorities have taken care of it very very quickly. And already, you, you remember the game. You can't remember the guy who is you know allegedly uh, held, held the abuse at them. That that's how these games should be remembered, and that's how they will be remembered if there are any. Um, obnoxious characters you know, get themselves on TV in the future yeah you mentioned there that a week after the Derby Triumph United struggle against Everton and Watford away this weekend how do you view that type of game because a side like Watford who have nothing to lose have been poor Nigel Pearson of course was in charge of Leicester when they beat United 5-3 is that newly mm. promoted side one the few wins pre-Christmas as well that was that season it was yeah um, it seems like United have a lot, lot to lose. Maybe going to Sunday, particularly with Chelsea playing Tottenham afterwards, feels like a. It feels like every time United have had a chance to make up on the top four of the season, they've not they've taken advantage it. of it. Yeah. And being a pessimist, <laughs> you know, Watford have their own. Watford's biggest threat themselves is on the counter attack. That's what United maybe are hoping for. To me, it's going to be an ugly spectacle, or one that's very open ended and I can't quite work it out. It's two sides without a midfield. I don't think United will be winning this game easily. But do you um, think they'll be winning it? <laughs> We'll leave that till the end. Uh, but having watched, I think I'll probably watch the second half of uh, Liverpool-Watford last week. I mean, Liverpool were very, very anxious and not performing very well at all. But Watford did look better under... They missed some sitters, didn't they? they? Yeah. Three or four, yeah. real. Uh, and obviously, you, United fans will think typically, oh, they'll put stick their chances away against United, but they won't do it against Liverpool. Um I mean, even Emery, not Emery. Um, What's it called? <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ash. <laughs> uh, Kike Sanchez Flores had that very that similar one, managers, one game, that one game bounce whereby yeah. they drew two two with Arsenal after being two 0 down, and they probably should have won it in the end. They had that that really really good chance right at the death. Um, obviously, they're at home as well, so I think that kind of yeah, that that leads into their favour a little bit as well. Uh, it's just one of these games that you you can't really see United winning easily. You, I think even more so, going to Norwich a couple of months ago, I thought yeah, this is a bit of a banana skin. But if United played well, you were confident they'd beat them. Watford have got, despite where they are in the league, uh, I think they've got a bit more about them than, than Norwich. They've got some very good players. Decore last week, is, as is his want, he performed against a big team. He seems to have this knack for playing well against the top six sides or, or the elite in the Premier League but he's very very quiet or substandard against teams who he should be bossing and he was very good at Old Trafford in March so you can see it wouldn't be a surprise if you know he steamrolls through the United midfield amid all the uh, recent enthusiasm about McTominay and Fred I suppose if United you know just regain form if they play like they did um, in the first 30 minutes against Spurs or, or City then then they win it in fairness to them they, they started relatively brightly against Everton last week but it was some poor finishing that, that cost them but they still weren't as incisive and it is still an issue that uh, they are reliant on the counter-attack their first goal against Colchester was, was via a breakaway Yeah, United won 11 of their 12 Premier League matches against Watford only against Wigan they have a better win percentage of teams they've played at least 10 times mm-hmm. a little caveat 
all go out the window if United lose on the weekend. So but it was twenty. It was the Luke Shaw game, twenty sixteen, that they yeah, lost. I think the Luke Shaw game, as, as it's known in the, the, the yeah, Mourinho resisted giving him grief for yeah. about five games, and then uh, yeah, that, that, was, that, that was, was time to turn on him. Yeah. I also remember it was a Schweinsteiger. It was an own goal, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the previous season, Craig Schweinsteiger Kafka own yeah. goal or something. Troy Deeney, I think it might have been. It might have been Troy Deeney, Deeney yeah. own goal. Yeah, that was the fastest I've ever seen Schweinsteiger run in a United shirt. His his celebration at the at the end of that game that was uh, that was his highlight of United. Yeah, of oh, very few. Um, yes, Samuel. Last question for you. We're in the Christmas spirit here. If you could have one Christmas present for United, what would it be? If, if you could have one, I guess it's a general chance of wish, really. From a, I guess that's what it's got to turn into, isn't it? God. Um, what are you hoping for? for, for what, what am I hoping for from United or yeah. from a United perspective? What are United hoping Both. for? Both. Oh, <laughs> or what? Uh, from a personal... Oh God, Jesus. I don't, uh, As a reporter, has any play you'd like to see arrive in January? And, and, from, a, from, a, from a professional and a selfish perspective, I, I would like them to see either in the winter window or some window, United signed James Madison, purely because I've written quite a lot about him and there is interest there and if they sign him, it always reflects well on you. Uh, I suppose from United's perspective, they're... God, this is such an awful question. <laughs> but their, their Christmas present, if you like, but a belated one would be to go into the new year in the top four. And I think if they'd beaten Everton and if they'd beaten Watford, they could have been in the top four for a temporary period at least. But um, I think that's beyond them now because they, they dropped the two points last week. We shall see. Who knows? Christmas might come early for you and a win at Watford might be on the cards you know, also if Rashford scores against uh, Watford he becomes the first United player to score 11 goals before Christmas since yeah. Zlatan Ibrahimovic wow. the record everyone's talking about these days <laughs> you can read that on the MEN later. we'll be in the we'll be in the in the spirit in that we're in the Elton John stand and he did step into Christmas fantastic I mean it's like we've wrote that joke and we really haven't <laughs> I can't put that in a in a piece. I, I can't. You thought about it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just there, and I saw your reaction. I thought, no, that's it. That <laughs> no, if United win well on Sunday, expect that somewhere. Maybe at the yes. to send, just to sign off the match report. I think you've got approval there. I'll I'll, I'll keep it in mind. So it's down to you to get the win now. Samuel's cracking sign off is waiting uh, it's time for us to sign off now as well Samuel thank you very much for thank you. joining us and producer Ash thank you once again for steadying the ship and joining us all year we will be back again who knows when it's quite a packed fixture schedule for us as well are you, in on, are you in on Monday? Te- ooh, still needs to be decided oh right. yeah that's that's a, that's a that's a chat for off air with, with the Harland, boss will he won't he so I'll go, go. I'm, I'm, I'm in on Monday but I'm, I would quite like to work from home if it was if it was oh. possible, but I will do a podcast if, if required. Um, Samuel, Ash, it is time for us to go. Thank you very much for listening to us on the Manchester Red Podcast and have a very Merry Christmas. We'll see you again next time. <laughs>